Moving from being a franchisee to a franchisor is quite a step, but becoming a franchisor while still being a franchisee is something even more unique. But join me as I talk with Tim Swackhammer, the co-founder of Mold Medics, as he talks about his journey. Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. With me today, I have Tim Slackhammer. And Tim, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on, Kathy. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you. So you're the CEO and co-founder of Mold Medics, and you describe yourself as a franchising entrepreneur, helping people find freedom through franchising. And I just love that. And you are quite the entrepreneur. Besides Mold Medics, which we are still going to discuss and go deep, you're also a wild-sewned franchisee, and you have earned numerous awards, and you're the owner of Fun Slides Carpet Skate Park. And you grew up in franchising with your father. So you've accomplished more in like less than 10 years than most of us have in a lifetime. First, Tim, tell us a little bit about your interest in franchising. Yeah, so my interest in franchising really comes heavily from my upbringing. So I'm a second generation entrepreneur. My father was big into franchising. Uh, He was in a few different brands when I was growing up. Uh, I got my start in the workplace uh, working the cash register at his dollar stores at about seven years old. And have kind of been sort of involved in a lot of the different businesses that he was in throughout the years. Um, and really heavily during my college years, uh, that's when I got involved with his wireless zone business. Um, at the time I came on, we were opening up store number four and we've since grown it. At one point, I think we had 26 stores. We currently have 20 doors with them. Um, but it was, it was really quite cool. My brother came on a year or so before me at door number three. So the three of us together really took it and, uh, grew that significantly. So that was a big part of my early and mid twenties. And, uh, it's been, it definitely gave me an appreciation for franchising because, uh, I saw my father grew up. He was one of six kids, single mother grew up in government funded housing, didn't have two nickels to rub together and through franchising and entrepreneurship was able to completely change our lives. Now the next generation was So really having seen that impact on our family, that got me hooked into franchising from kind of day one. Oh my gosh. And that's what we always talk about is that franchising, this wonderful model builds generational wealth and you are walking evidence of that. Yes. And so, oh my, oh my, what a wonderful story talking about your journey into franchising. So your experience as a wireless zone franchisee, what have you learned there this is helping you as you are launching this whole franchising business with Mold Medics. What have you learned? So we've learned a lot. I mean, truth be told, and I think if you talk to a number of the, uh, the execs and stuff at Wireless Zone, we've had periods when we've been great franchisees and we've had periods where we have been, uh, we'll say, noisy franchisees. Gotcha. Uh, and I've, I've seen through, there's been a couple different changes in ownership with that business. So got to see the way that a number of different entities owning the franchise have uh, have done things, how it's changed with relationships with franchisees. Uh, and really just, I learned a ton about that franchisor-franchisee relationship that is just so key to a successful franchise. Because if everybody's rowing the boat in the same direction, if everybody's working towards the same goals, and there's a good 
mutual respect between those parties, things can go very, very well. But whenever those break down, whenever that communication breaks down, uh, it can create some real problems. So it really helped format a lot of the ways that I view franchise or franchisee relationships. And also, um, as we were building Mold Medics, uh, the systems that we put in place, the processes that we put in place, how will these work on a franchisee basis too? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, walking in those shoes and continuing to walk in those shoes definitely gives you a different perspective to view your business. So you've been a franchisee, your dad was a franchisee, and now you, your dad, and your brother started Mold Medics. Why become a franchisor now? So it really was about two things. I mean, number one, we're always, I mean, we're, we're entrepreneurs. We love the growth aspect of it. We love that whole end. So uh, no matter what, we wanted to continue to grow, uh, both in this business as well and as in other businesses. But really, uh, it came down to as we're looking to grow, we can either with a home service model, we can either look at expanding into completely different markets. So opening up another mold medics in another metro, that kind of thing, or franchising was kind of the next obvious solution. And given our background and history in franchising, and again, what it's done for our family, that was the obvious choice to me. Rather than starting it up again in another another area and having direct employees, if we can have it be their business that they're growing for their family, uh, and we help give them kind of the, the map towards success with it, that's really what I'd like to see. Ah, that's wonderful. Let's dig a little bit deeper and talk about Mold Medics. So it was founded by you, your dad, and your brother in 2018. And it's a service brand in the indoor air quality industry, which is growing. And so tell us why you started this brand and maybe tell us a little bit about the industry. Yeah, so we really got started. uh, Previously, we were working in a different home service franchise. um, And basically, during that experience, we saw uh, sort of from the outside in, Number one, there was a lot of opportunity for a home service brand or contracting brand because we're kind of sort of in between the two of those Mm -hmm. uh, that was very focused on the customer experience because we saw there's so many contractors out there. There's a lot of really great experts up their trade, but whenever it comes to the customer experience side, they leave a lot to be desired. So. Uh, with our experience in sales through the wireless zone and through other businesses, really seeing that we can bring a our customer experience focused business, our, our goal is to basically ruin them for future contractors that they have coming into the house. Just through the way that we communicate, the way that we're very transparent with our process and really try to hold their hand through the entire uh, situation because we're dealing with indoor air quality issues. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to have those. So we want to make sure that it is as pleasant of an experience as it possibly can be. So that was opportunity number one that we saw. And then number two was really specifically with indoor air quality. Historically in the industry, it is a growing industry. There's starting to be more awareness about it than there ever has been in the past. But most of the contractors that do this kind of work are very focused on insurance business. So they're very focused on restoration. Uh, If you think you're serve pros, service masters, um, a lot of the other brands like that, that's the core of what they do. It's uh, fire, water, mold, but it's all from an insurance standpoint. Mm. Uh, what we saw is there was a large contingent of customers that were experiencing indoor air quality issues, not directly tied to an insurance issue or not through something that insurance would actually cover that needed this type of work done and needed a more 
specialized version of it. They need one that is more focused on the indoor air quality, the health of the home, and the health of the occupants. And that's really where we saw the opportunity with Moldbox. Oh, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it seems like everyone has allergies now, and, and I live in this Ohio Valley where everyone says they have the Ohio Valley crud. So I can imagine that with your customers, it's very personal to them as well because it can affect their health. Absolutely. So I, I can definitely see that. So when you talk about air quality, for those of us that aren't familiar with all of this and we hear mold medics, we think only mold. Yep. Tell us about the other services you provide. So, yeah, I mean, obviously mold services are the, the key cornerstone to what we do. Uh, but we also do air duct cleaning. Uh, we do some other environmental testing. And most recently, we added on radon uh, testing and mitigation services, which depending on where you're at geographically, it's something that either you're pretty familiar with or you say hey, radon and they look at you like you have three heads. Yeah. Uh, but it's a radon's a really important one. It's one that I'm pretty passionate about because unlike a lot of these other indoor air quality issues where uh, you have some leading indicators that you have an issue, you may have some water damage that you know can contribute to mold. You may notice like a musty odor, something along those lines. With radon, it's all about awareness because it's tasteless, odorless, colorless. You can't see it, smell it, anything. So the only way to know that you have it is to test for it. Um, so it's really interesting because it's more of an awareness issue than anything. Well, we have the radon issues here. Yes. So we definitely have had that addressed here and mitigated as well. That is a, a very important thing to look into if you're in this part of the country, for sure. So let's move a little bit and talk about franchising your concept. So you have one franchisee that started last summer. How did you choose this person and how's it going? Yeah, so he started out actually, he's somebody that we've known personally for quite a while. And he really kind of came to us whenever he heard that we were talking about franchising. So it was a little earlier than we had started sort of marketing the franchise. We hadn't really done any of that yet. But at the same time, it was somebody who we knew we had a good relationship with and would be a good partner to help figure out what don't we know about the franchisor side uh, and what things do we need to learn. And he's been, he's been excellent and a great participant with that. And really, it's, it's been really cool for him. Uh, he's a younger guy, has a young family, and seeing the excitement as he hired on his first employee, um, as he's being able to spend some more time with his family and really just kind of grow that business uh, in a way that he never could. Ah, that's a great story. And there you go, starting another generation. That's wonderful. That's, that's wonderful. Well, I dug into your FDD, which I love to do, and I found a few fascinating items I want to ask you about. So first was the royalty payment structure. And so there's a percentage, which is standard or a minimum per month. But what was interesting was the first three months minimum is $0, and then it slowly ramps up until it reaches your maximum. Can you tell us why you made this decision? Yeah, so um, we mentioned uh, a couple different times that it's a franchise built by franchisees for franchisees. Yes. Um, and this this is one of the things that definitely came out of that. It's uh, really recognizing that as we were getting into the business and growing it, uh, there is a ramp-up period involved. It takes time to get comfortable with the services, really get familiar with what you're doing, build your market, build your branding and everything in your local area. And we wanted to make sure that our franchisees have a good runway to success. So they've got that built in there. Um, but also at the same time, it helps to make sure that they are focused on growing. They're not, it's, it doesn't just go from no royalty to six months later, there is royalty. Right. Uh, we want to make sure that there's sort of those little softer nudges along the way to help make sure that they are working towards what they need to. 
Well, that was impressive. And it does show the relationship and the value you place on the franchisees. So I, I thought that was very interesting. You also have something called a relationship fee, which is for work performed in another franchisee's territory. Can you please explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is another thing that was designed out of a need that we saw based on our prior experience. And uh, when we're working in home services, uh, a lot of the work that we do is generated directly by the consumer via online leads, all those kind of things, uh, Google, SEO, the, all that stuff. Uh, but also a large portion of our work comes from referral partnerships. So working with realtors, working with home inspectors, um, and those individuals where their business does not follow the exact territory guidelines that ours right. does because ours are by definition fairly arbitrary. Uh, they're set, set up based on the FDD and that, that sort of agreement during the onboarding process. Um, but really because they don't abide by those same, uh, same boundaries. Uh, what we saw in previous brands was you can end up having very tricky and difficult situations where a franchisee has to either turn down work that's in another franchisee's territory if it's a referral or risk that relationship that they have with that referral partner. We don't right. want that to be the case. Uh, but at the same time, it's a, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to encourage violating territory boundaries and you want to make sure that that's something that's really protected. Uh, so the relationship fee is basically there to be an equalizer to make it so that if a franchisee gets a referral in another franchisee's territory, they can do that work to help continue and grow that referral relationship. Uh, but also that relationship fee gets paid to the franchisee whom they're infringing upon. That makes sense. So if they have to go, franchisee A has to go into franchisee B's territory to do work, that fee gets paid to franchisee B. You know what? That demonstrates the difference in your brand because you can tell that you've been a franchisee because you thought of that. And what's great about it is you've created a win-win situation because you still get to maintain your relationship with your client. But again, you're not violating the territory rights of your fellow franchisee. So bravo. That is very well thought out. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that was one of the things as we were as we started the franchising process that really uh, developing the FDD and sort of thinking through all these different scenarios. And thankfully, we have a great attorney that we work with, but it yeah. definitely was a larger project than what I imagined it to be. And I've got a lot, lot more respect for franchisors uh, having gone through a lot of that. Oh, yes. Creating an FDD is, is no easy task for sure. <laughs> but this relationship fee component, I mean, that really does, that really covers a lot. And, and like you said, you could have a relationship with a real estate person. They're all over, right? And yep. so you definitely don't want to harm that, but then you're also not harming the relationship with your franchisee. So that's brilliant. Thanks. And then I, then I also read that you have a call center. So can you talk about how that helps will help your franchisees? Yeah. So again, based on previous experience that we saw, one of the, the biggest issues, especially with uh, franchisees earlier in the process, because once you get up to a certain scale, you can afford to have more people working the phones. You can have, afford to have more people on and just be more responsive in general. Mm -hmm. uh, but especially during that earlier phase when it's just a franchisee or a franchisee and a few employees, if you're out in the field doing work, answering the phone, and again, we're working in moldy environments, we're working with PPP on, you, you'll have a, a full mask respirator oh, and uh, expecting a franchisee to pop that off and come down out of an attic to answer a phone call and be on for a sales call, 
Uh, it's just not something that's very practical. So right. uh, this was an essential part for us, was making sure that we had that call center in place. And we use a combination of in-house and third-party out-of-house call center for after-hours overflow type purposes, but really designing it so that the leads can come in, they get managed through the call center, and our franchisees can focus on their local activities in their market. They can uh. focus on the work that they're doing, the bid process, uh, and really trying to take as many things that we can do better at the corporate level off of their plate so they can focus on the things that they need to. And then also the customer hears from somebody right away versus yes. going into a voicemail or wondering when are they going to call me. So, oh, that's that's excellent yeah, too. I, mean, I, I read a statistic somewhere and I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, 60% of people won't even leave a voicemail. So oh, wow. having a live operator actually answer the phone and be able to provide some information. Uh, really, I, as I'm training our team and everything, I always talk about our goal when somebody has a mold problem in many cases, They'll go online, mold remediators near me or whatever, and they'll come up with a list of options. Number one, we want to be at that top of that list. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do from an SEO and lead generation standpoint. Uh, but two, we want to make sure that when they call, they put down the phone and they stop calling. We don't want them to go on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. And if they, and they get would. a voicemail, they would. Yep. But if they, they get somebody who answers the phone, who knows what they're doing, they're competent, they're confident about our services. That gives the customer the confidence to know, okay, they got me taken care of. I can rest assured we're going to be able to move forward. with it. Uh, you are so right, especially when you have a mold issue, you want it taken care of. Moving into training, which I love to talk about. And one of the things that fascinated me, Tim, is that you actually lead the training now. Can you tell us what that looks like? Yeah, so it's really a combination of sort of three different aspects. Number one would be video trainings. Mm -hmm. uh, and we try to do as we're still very much a growing business. We're still uh, fairly small and lean, and we try to be as efficient as we can. So it's a combination of uh, videos that we incorporate for a few different purposes. So some that we use for marketing, uh, but also for internal and for franchisee training, um, as well as a classroom training element. We're working together to help make sure that they have all of the educational components that they need to be successful in the field. Uh, and then the third is the field training. And that's working directly with our team uh, in the actual roles that they're going to be going into. So making sure that our franchisees uh, have seen as many different situations as they can before they go into the field on their own. That's That's definitely important. And, you know, I also read that you created more than 100 videos in the last six months for your business. So and when I looked online, there's a ton of stuff. So can you talk about what's in those videos and who they're for? Yeah. So um, the videos really, we, we kind of have sort of two different focuses. Um, we have one that is on the franchising side where we are trying to educate about our brand and about franchising in general, um, similar to, to a podcast like this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other one is really more on the consumer education side because uh, it's very essential. Again, our goal is to get to the top of Google anytime somebody's searching for uh, an issue or they have problems. So making sure that we're creating as many organic and free resources as we can for clients and for people who are suffering from indoor air quality problems. So we're providing as much education as we can. So we become a good resource when people have an issue, helps with SEO purposes and helps move us to the top of that list. So when somebody encounters a problem, they know exactly who to call. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because you also have tons of articles on your website for customers. Yep. So I was looking through those and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like an encyclopedia 
of anything you wanted to know about mold and indoor air quality issues. Yeah, and it, it's really, it's a, it's a fun process because where we get the inspiration for those is uh, once every other week, we have about an hour long call with basically all of our, our field sales teams. Um, and we go through, okay, what unique experiences have you encountered? Uh, what customer questions are you getting? And those conversations serve as a large portion of the topics for our videos and uh, blog content. So making sure that we're answering questions that we're getting in real. You know what, that leads into a question I sent to you. So what I read was, as you grow, your goal is to nurture and foster an environment of support and employee satisfaction. And then also with the customer satisfaction as, as well. And so listening to your customers and your employees, that tends to be one way that you're really doing that. What other things are you doing? Yeah, I mean, we definitely try to listen as much as we can. I mean, I go, uh, we have it baked into our systems and our processes to capture as much feedback, good, bad, or otherwise, as we possibly can. I mean, we try to get from every single customer, customer satisfaction survey, if they've done work with us. Uh, we also do full surveys for customers who chose not to work with us uh, to find out, okay, where are we missing? Is it pricing issues? Is it knowledge issues? Were we not as responsive as we should have been? We want to know all of those things so that we can alter our process, figure out what we need to do better and improve for the next customer. But also a lot of what I do on the development side is spending time, not just with our uh, actual customers, but with other people who are suffering from mold issues, from indoor air quality problems. So spend a lot of time on social media, whether it be Facebook groups, there's all kinds of different support groups and everything out there, uh, really trying to learn as much as I can about their experiences from the customer side and from what they're going through so that we can integrate that into our processes going forward. That's a lot. That's a lot. It does make a difference. It definitely does. And gosh, people are willing to tell you anything on social media these days. Yep. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned about how you value franchisees and and you mentioned the statement that you make that I love, a home service brand built by franchisees for franchisees. And so what are a few other things that you do that you think make you a unique franchisor? So really, I think so much of it is just about the relationship side. Yeah. Uh, so the way that we view things, it's, um, again, having been a part of a few different franchise systems, I've seen that uh, go in a very poor direction where there's this attitude that, franchisees can be whiny or any variety of things like there, there can just be some fairly negative or sometimes even combative uh, relationships between employees of the franchisor and then the franchisees themselves. Um, so really making sure that our corporate team understands, and obviously it starts at the top and works the way down, that they are partners. They are closer to a customer than they are an employee. And it's a very different way of viewing that relationship and viewing, hey, our goal is to help them be as successful as they can. Sometimes that does mean we need to, we need to listen a whole lot and we need to uh, change and improve the way that we're doing things. Other times it means that we need to inform and almost protect them from themselves, uh, help show here are the mistakes that we made in the past and why this method of thinking or this, uh, this process that we're looking at isn't a great choice. So it's just a different way of kind of viewing that relationship that uh, I think has a, a big impact. As well as, again, the processes, the systems, everything was kind of built from the ground up 
identifying the problem and then creating the solution and making sure that that solution is scalable from a franchising basis. Wow, that's uh, that's the word. Yeah, I've, I'm also pretty uh, pretty insistent on is operating our own corporate territories. There's some debate in the franchising world at large as to whether that's a good thing, that's a bad thing, necessary, not necessary. Um, and I'm pretty staunchly in the the camp that a franchisor needs to operate their own stores and they need to be involved in that process because otherwise I think you end up with a situation where decisions are being made at the corporate level that are just very detached from the reality of the franchisees. And that's, in my experience, that's where some of the greatest uh, challenges in a franchise brand can come from and some of the, the greatest animosity between franchisee and franchisor. You know, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you're right. There are two distinct camps on that on that argument, whether or not you have company-owned units or all franchise. So I'm glad that you talked about that. Let me ask you one other question about franchising. So for Mold Medics, what do you think are the qualities that make the best franchisee for your brand? Yeah. So, I mean, really, I think it comes down to a couple of things. Um, for one, we talk about our core values internally a lot. The number one core value we have is evolving, always learning, changing, and growing. Constant learner mindset is very, very important. Somebody who knows that they don't know everything and is willing to learn, understand, and try to grow. That's huge. Uh, attitude in general, I think, is a gigantic component. Negative attitudes, uh, defeatist mindsets, that kind of thing, I think, is toxic for the organization. I think it's toxic for a franchisee. Um, and really just it's unfortunately very easy if people have that sort of uh, negative type mindset uh, for them to focus on all of the things outside of their control and really hone in on that. Whereas people who focus on the things that are inside their control are the ones that are generally going to have the most success. And I don't think that's anything unique to our franchise. I think that's franchising across the board. But if you, you spend the majority of your time thinking about what you can't control, you're, you're going to have a lot of trouble. But if you focus on, okay, what are the five, six, 10 levers that I can pull mm-hmm. to make a difference? That's where you're going to be a very successful franchisee. Exactly. Well, just a successful person in general, what you've discussed. And you know, when you said learning is number one to this old professor's ears, that's just music. <laughs> so, well, well done. So what's your future plan for growth? We are looking to continue to expand. I mean, we want to expand via franchising. We're also always looking to grow our corporate territory, obviously. But really, a lot of our growth focus is aimed sort of concentrically outside of Pittsburgh. So making sure that uh, we're growing in a way where we're not putting franchisees on islands, that they can't be supported. Mm -hmm. uh, But they're ones that can be integrated in the process. They can be supported well. And yeah, kind of grow from there. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, gosh, that's going to be great. Two last questions about you, Tim. So first of all, you've accomplished so much. Gosh, and it seems like less than a decade in looking at your at your resume. What are you most proud of? The people in our organizations that we've developed is definitely what I'm most proud of. And just seeing the the amount of growth in a lot of our employees, whether they're ones that are still with us or uh, ones that have moved on to different opportunities, uh, seeing the growth that they've gone through and knowing that we had a hand in that is absolutely huge. Oh, that's good. That's really great. And then the last question, gosh, you've been in franchising since you were seven years old. 
So maybe I should restate my question about, is there any, any advice you would give to somebody who's just starting this franchising journey, no matter where it is? Um, I mean, it harkens back to what we just talked about with the, the things that we look for from a franchisee, but focus on the things that you can control. Yeah. Focus on what's inside your control, the levers that you can move. Keep your mindset on how can I improve this based on what's, what's available to me. Uh, and generally, if you do that, you're, yeah, you're going to be successful as a franchisee, as a franchisor, uh, as a person in general. Well, you have definitely demonstrated that, Tim. And thank you so much for your time today and educating us on your great brand and your thoughts around franchising. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate it. Franchise You is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise You.